0: Welcome back to Doctor Drill's Making Motivation Podcast. How's everyone doing? Today is the thirtieth of January, twenty twenty-three. Eight o'clock at night. I'm heading home from the office. Busy day, steady day. wasn't too crazy. This is good, you know. Go birds! Fucking eagles! Destroy the competition. And the San Francisco 49ers yesterday. It's like 30 to 7 maybe. Just really trounced them. I mean, they're so good and so com- such a complete team that I don't know, even with Patrick Mahomes or <clears throat> before the fricking uh, the Chiefs trounced the um, the Bengals, you know, Joe Burrow and his crew. There's some capable weapons, obviously. All these teams have. They're very complete. They've got, unless you've got somebody who's injured or something like that, that can be a problem. Like Mahomes is hobbling around. Hertz is hurt. His shoulder. Lane Johnson. The list goes on and on and on, right? These high-performance machines, they, they break down. So, but eh, Eagles look like to be in a tremendous position to win the Super Bowl. I mean, they're, they're in the fucking Super Bowl again. And uh, really have a head of steam built up. So it's going to take absolutely everything that Patrick Mahomes and uh, Travis Kelsey and an all-star cast of the, of the Chiefs <clears throat> you know, football team to, to even put any fucking points on the board against the Eagles. I mean, they're looking good. So I'm excited for the birds, excited for all Philadelphians and fans, and you can feel <clears throat> you know, that tribalism, that healthy dose of tribalism, people just being proud of being a Philly fan, or a, an Eagles fan, and a Philadelphian, you know, suburban Philadelphia dweller, and, uh, and supporting this team, being part of something like that, the energy that it offers up. It's incredible. So, alright, real quick, i got about 10 minutes before I pull up to the house and uh, I'll be done for the day. I'll talk about chapter 2 of Making Motivation, Exercising the Demon with Dr. Drill. So, it's all about, the book is going to be all about meeting challenges, rising to challenges, challenging yourself, um, being a hero in your own journey, putting points on the board for the good guys, putting fire into the asses of the masses, and against the odds struggle for victory, whatever that means to you, personal life, professional life, you know, it's, life is hard. We need to gamify it. We need to find ways to to rise above. So the book is a little bit autobiographical, as I've mentioned previously. And chapter one was about me growing up in the Pine Barrens in New Jersey. And uh, in that backdrop, I had some friends and enemies and adventures and challenges. And towards the end of 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 the chapter, I talk about, I get arrested for shoplifting, I was on a, a wayward path, I was in trouble, got arrested, had to do community service, my mom said, okay, you're grounded forever, and you're going to do your, your time, your community service, and you're going to be a credit to society, and uh, my father smacked me around and shamed me for dragging our name, family name, through the dirt, which really hit me hard, it was a low point for me. And my mother also said, I'm never going to hang out with my buddy John again. And John and I were, like, best friends. And clearly this was not just his brainchild, you know. It wasn't his idea to, to do this crime. We had been partners in crime for a long time doing stupid shit. Everything from raiding our parents' liquor cabinets to stealing from Seven Eleven. Some light vandalism, you know. We were kind of hoodlums in this suburban Pine Barren town, and we weren't doing well in school, and therefore nobody wanted to teach us, and uh, our wheels were spinning. We didn't really have any idea where our future would lie. So, um, weeks go by. I did my time. We made amends. My parents softened up a little bit. Pretty soon, I wasn't, you know, after a couple weeks, I had atoned for, I was working on, um, atoning for for my crimes, and, um, my mother softened a little bit, and she said, I said, listen, Ma, I want to remain friends with John, if at all possible, he's like my best bud, and we're both a bunch of dickheads, and so, you know, we're going to apologize to you guys. I'm going to apologize to his mom. If he wants to come over here and say he's sorry to you. <clears throat> and my mother said, all right, well, okay. She thought about it and slept on it. And then she told me the next day, all right, we're going to pick up John on Saturday morning at 8 a.m., I'm mean, going to get a surprise for you guys. So she took us to, you know, we didn't know where she was taking us. She drove us down toward Long Beach Island, which is about 20 minutes south. And uh, right before we got on the bridge to go over to, you know, presumably maybe going to the scene of the crime, the Surf City 5 and 10, she stopped in Manahawken right on Route 9, where there was this ramshackled, broken down, <clears throat> kind of like seaside um, shopping center. It's like It looked like an old house. fucking haunted house gonna fall down there was a gold and collectibles place there was a um an old uh, post office and there was a Marine Corps recruiter she pulled up right in front of the Marine Corps recruiter so like oh shit my mother was a big supporter of the military and we had my father had served in the army my her brother my uncle uh, uh Brian served in Vietnam and uh so she always believed that the service would make a man out of you, and uh, I'll be damned, she was, she was not right. So we pulled into the into the recruiting office. Nobody was there. I remember she took us across the street to um, Dunkin' Donuts, and we got some breakfast, and we come out. I think I had a fucking snapple. And uh, sausage, egg, and cheese. It was a long time ago. We come out, and there's a uh, light blue Ford Tempo pulling into the parking lot across the street. Uh, you know, a Recruiter gets out. Guys dressed in his his uh, service charlies, or, which is like um, short sleeves. He was a corporal. Guy's name was Corporal Burnett. He was from Lancaster, I remember. He was tall, slender, very erect build. Um, Had a a blonde high and tight, uh, kind of like a horseshoe haircut. A flat top with a, kind of like a bald spot right down the center. (coughs) So, um, we went into this building and we sat down. And it was a little shitty carpet and it was a desk at the far end and a door, presumably to a restroom or something like that. And then uh, there were two chairs in front of it and one chair behind it. That's where he sat. And my mother stood and we sat down in the chairs and she behind us. And stood behind us and, you know, he's basically, Burnett basically said, uh, your mother told me why you're here. And you guys got into trouble and she's trying to, you know, help you find something you might be looking for, you know, told his story about when he was a, a young guy before he joined the Marine Corps, how he could have, might have wound up in, in trouble or jail or something, or, or at the very least had, was misguided, misdirected, didn't have any direction, so um he said, okay, well, you know, you can't join yet, but you guys look looking for a challenge, this is freaking challenging, there's nothing harder than joining the United States Marine Corps, go to boot camp. It's some friggin' unbelievable challenge. Not everybody can do it. I just came back from the Desert Storm, and I went all these, please talking all these foreign places he's been. The things that we were watching on CNN, you know, he was living. And uh, he told us all about his job for the Marine Corps, which was he was an NBC, or Nuclear Biological Chemical Specialist, which basically means he was the, uh, he would go around in a there was a, some sort of attack, chemical attack, nuclear or biological agent. He was trained to detect that with a testing system and then guide the forces to um, protect themselves and fight back. So, and that's in wartime. In peacetime, these are the guys who would walk around while we were training, doing patrols or something like that. It would be a guy with a duffel bag, you know, full of tear gas canisters. And we'd be out there trying to be tactical, walking through a field or walking through the Mojave Desert somewhere, dozens of us in formation, you know. What we called a wedge formation. And uh, it's like a big V, imagine like a Canada geese flying above. It's kind of what it looked like. And uh, these guys would stop and they'd throw CS or tear gas canisters out at us. And so we learned to steer clear from the NBC Marines. Um, Burnett was squared away. We could relate to him. Um, He told us about all the challenges that could be before us. We were only 14, right? He told us that we couldn't enlist until we were... Or we couldn't join the delayed entry program or the DEP. Excuse me, until we were 16 with our parents' consent. We couldn't enlist until we were 17. Same thing with parents signing off. Um, But he said, look, you know, you're 14, so you got a while. You got your entire high school, you know, career. So... Why don't you um, focus on that? And if you want to come out and train with us on a monthly basis, you can do that. You know, and they would get together in the delayed entry program, or the depth they would go and do a formation run, or they would, you know, go and do some sort of rifle simulation, or go to nearby Lakehurst Naval Base and and do some sort of operation. And at the very least, people would con- people who were joining the Corps would go down to the recruiting office and hang out there and we, you look at countless rows of um, images of people who um, who have joined and were down in boot camp or were coming back and you look at them in their shiny uniform they're dressed blues and they're just freaking squared away and motivated and they've done all these things and we would learn about the phases of boot camp and how hard it was and man you know not everybody's gonna has what it takes and You got to study hard. You got to be in really good shape and all this shit. So the next four years, we're like, we're trying to fit in in high school. (coughs) But basically what we would be doing a lot of the time was like always keeping in our back, in the back of our mind, like whatever happened, as long as we kept out of trouble, we could fulfill our dream of joining the Marine Corps. It was an option that we already knew about. It's like, I have a job when I graduate high school because I'm going to go and I'm going to do one of the hardest things that anybody could ever do. I'm going to join the Marine Corps. You know, I'm going to go to Paris Island, South Carolina. I'm going to get through boot camp. I'm going to be a fucking stud, a warrior, wear this fancy uniform and travel all over and, you know, fight and defend my nation up to including, you know, risking my life for all the things we hold dear as Americans. And so growing up in the 80s, it was all, you know, all these patriotic movies about, you know, Rambo, and, you know, Arnold, and Commando, and Terminator, all the shit was, it was just endless movies, you know, fucking Sands of Iwo Jima, Platoon, about valor, and service, and, you know, you know, near-death experiences, and being a badass, we all wanted to be Jean-Claude Van Damme or Schwarzenegger or Stallone so this was like our opportunity to be kind of like that, be like an alpha male to, to have what it takes you need to be fucking Tom Cruise or any number, John Wayne or any number of these uh, these warrior icon at least portrayals of warrior icons we wanted to be like that So it was at this point that, you know, chapter two is all about, it's going to be titled Finding Your Focus. And that's what it was, that's that's what this represented. After the fall, after the lowest point in our adolescence, you know, we're wondering are we just fucking, you know, worthless pieces of shit destined for failure or are we going to clean up our act and are we going to have what it takes to be disciplined, stay out of fucking trouble, stay in school, you know, we couldn't smoke weed or anything like that, because we could be drug tested, you know, we couldn't get in any trouble, because if we did, then we might not, might lose our opportunity to go down to boot camp, so we were on a path, and that is, it it felt good to be on a path, It, it felt awesome to find your focus, and so... Chapter 2, Finding My Focus.